0: I am Michael Penny.
1: And I'm William Henry. Welcome to this second Open Bible Trust podcast on the subject of wisdom.
0: Now, in the first podcast, we started looking at the book of Proverbs. And we saw that, although it was mostly written by Solomon, there were some other wise men who contributed to it. Now, Proverbs is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. And wisdom, like a golden thread runs through all 31 chapters of the book.
1: Yeah, that's right. The message that comes through the book sets out a kind of structured approach for how you can live, live with discernment, live with discipline, and also I think live with self-control. Now what are the wisdom that we read about in Proverbs it seems to be kind of practical common sense advice. I mean, Proverbs describes wisdom as a woman to be embraced.
0: Well, we can embrace it if we want to. But you say common sense advice. So where does God come into this wisdom? Is it just the wisdom of the world?
1: No, it's not. I think it's important to appreciate that God lies at the heart of the structure of the book of Proverbs. Right at the start, in the opening chapter, we get this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then when we get to chapter 9, we find the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.
0: Okay, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom. But I wonder, what does the Bible mean by the fear of the Lord? You see, I think some Christians misunderstand this, thinking that the first thing needed is that we should be afraid of the Lord, scared of him. But that can't be right, can it?
1: No, I don't think it really means being scared of him. The fear of the Lord really, I think, is a a deep reverence for him. It's a a respect that we feel when we recognize that we stand in relation to him as creatures before a creator.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because in Philippians, Paul writing to the Philippians states that we should work out our salvation. Note not work for our salvation, because that is by grace through faith in Christ, but we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which is a figure of speech, meaning we should work out our salvation being in awe of God, not being afraid of him.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think before we can start working out our salvation, we need this recognition that the Lord is the source of all true wisdom. And therefore, we've got to acknowledge that the principles that he lays down are the best for our lives. And that's got to be our starting point. And if we don't follow his ways, then by definition, we are going to be in the wrong. So all the values and all the practices that we have for our lives have got to take the Lord as their reference point. He's the beginning of wisdom. So I suppose you could say that if the character that I develop over the course of my life is a building, then he is the foundation for that building. Everything's based on him. And any other foundation we have is bound to be unstable. I think the Lord Jesus gave us that message in in his parable, didn't he? The one about the two builders in Matthew chapter 7.
0: Yeah, yeah. Matthew 7, 24 to 27, isn't it? Let me just read those verses. Very well-known verses. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash.
1: Yeah, one writer I was reading recently says that wisdom is the human capacity to understand life from God's perspective. That's true wisdom, capacity to understand life from God's perspective. Or, in mm. other words, it's a practical understanding of how to live as God designed us. And I think that really gets to the heart of it. Yeah. Because all true wisdom comes from the Lord. Western 21st century people want the freedom to establish their own value systems. And I think this is one of the reasons why there's such a negative reaction to the Christian message in our generation.
0: Yes, you're right. Because postmodernism approach to life is, well, it encourages individuals to take their own meaning from events to set their own standards and to establish their own ideas of right and wrong, even if they would use such words as right and wrong.
1: Yes, right. So because of this, I think they kick against this so-called authoritarian black-white teaching of the Christian message that would dare to make pronouncements about what is right and what is wrong.
0: But it's not just the 21st century people. Um, Isn't this a bit like the people of Israel back in the days of Judges? I mean, for example, in Judges 21-25, we read that everyone did that which was right Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. his own eyes. And then, of course, you have the so-called harm principle of John Stuart Mill, who wrote in 1859, I think it was, that people should be free to do what they like, and this should only be limited to prevent harm to other individuals. But then we are left with a couple of problems. Who defines harm and what may appear harmless in the short term may have very long term consequences.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It it depends how widely you define harm, doesn't it? But Mm. I think the wish to do that, what's right in our own eyes, goes back a long way, even uh, beyond the the time of the judges. When if you go right back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden, the serpent tempted Eve by telling her that if she ate that fruit, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, she would be like God, knowing mm. good and evil, in Genesis 3. And then it goes on to say that Eve ate the fruit because it looked attractive and it looked tasty, but also, par- probably more importantly, because it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And I suppose we've been eating that fruit ever since, haven't we? trying to be like God by wanting to determine good and evil, right and wrong, independently from him.
0: But that's not real wisdom. In fact, it's a futile approach to living a wise life, because there's no real knowledge upon which to base wisdom without the fear of the Lord as its starting point. As Proverbs 129 puts it, those who hated knowledge did not choose to fear the Lord. And this is contrasted a little later in Proverbs 2, 5. Those seeking wisdom understand the fear of the Lord.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that Proverbs 1 there says it's a choice that people make. They didn't choose to fear the Lord. It similar to what Paul says it, in Romans chapter 1 about people not thinking it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. It's a choice that has to be made.
0: Oh, yeah, that's very modern and up to date. But this fear of the Lord, this being in awe of him, revering him and being respectful of him and his commandments. How does that actually help us build a life that is lived in the fear of the Lord?
1: Well, I think probably the best answer to that question and how it helps us to build a life is found in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. It's one of the key passages in the book. It's probably one of the most popular passages in Proverbs as well. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body, and nourishment to your bones. These four verses there in Proverbs are set out in this pattern of of repeated thought that we we find regularly in Hebrew poetry.
0: Yeah, we touched on that in the first podcast, didn't we? Yes. So first of all, a statement is made, and then it is answered or contrasted or explained further by a second statement.
1: Yeah, that's right. So first of all, then we have Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And this is matched with the balanced comment, do not be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't trust yourself, trust him. Then second, weekly we have in all your ways, acknowledge him. And this is balanced with fear the Lord and shun evil. In other words, bring him into everything. And then finally, we get he will make your paths straight which is matched up with the comment, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. In other words, that's the way to blessing.
0: Okay, good. But let's go into these a little deeper because they're quite important. The first one was trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And that is contrasted with do not be wise in your own eyes.
1: Yeah, I think real trust Real proper trust means commitment. It means looking to him for wisdom, not looking within ourselves to our own understanding. But then we have to entrust ourselves to the Lord by following what he says, even if it's different from what the people around us, even if it's different from what our own thoughts are telling us to do. And I think this is really difficult, but I think it's the way of true wisdom, the wisdom Mm. from the Lord. Proverbs 22 says, Pay attention to and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach so that your trust may be in the Lord.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fine. All right. Now, let's let's look at the second one a little. Let's amplify it a bit. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's contrasted with fear the Lord and shun evil.
1: Yeah, the, the next stage is the acknowledgement of his standards and commands on a daily basis. The fear of the Lord governs our conduct. The fear of the Lord teaches us to avoid evil. Proverbs 14, it says, a wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil. And a fool is hot hotheaded and, rest, and reckless. Proverbs 16 says, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil.
0: This. Fear of the Lord seems to occur quite often in Proverbs. However, the third point tells people that if they acknowledge him, he will make their paths straight. And this will bring health to their body and nourishment to their bones. I like that. Yeah,
1: that's the final stage. (laughs) Give me some nourishment in my bones, to be honest. That's the final stage there, I think. And the result is blessing proverbs 14 again he who fears the lord has a secure fortress and for his children it will be a refuge the fear of the lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death keep getting this fear of the lord coming out don't we Mm -hmm. so if we want a life that's worthwhile i want a life that's going to be of lasting value then it's got to be built on a secure foundation and that has to be the fear of the lord So if we defer to him in all the decisions we make and all we do and all we say, then we find that that's the path to true wisdom. The wisdom that comes from our creator who made us in his own image. And that wisdom may well be at odds with the outlook of the people around us, but it's the way of true blessing from the Lord. So it may be different from what people around us are doing, but Proverbs says, do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off.
0: All right. So we have commitment and acknowledgement, which results in blessing. That's good. You know, it's all too easy for us to look at those who have more than we have and be envious. But wisdom teaches us material possessions are temporal, limited only to this life. However, as believers in Christ, we have a future hope of eternal life and the blessings there will never be curtailed and they are never ending.
1: So then, if that's the case, and it is, then Proverbs is teaching us that true wisdom can't be achieved apart from God and that the fear of the Lord is a foundation for a life that will be full of wisdom and will be blessed as a result.
0: Okay, all this is good. But so far, it has all been more or less Old Testament, apart from the one bit we read about the man who built his house on the rock and the sand. So many Christians are far more familiar with the New Testament. So what else does the New Testament teach us about wisdom? Where do we go for wisdom there?
1: Yeah, well, as we might expect, I suppose wisdom is, is very closely connected with the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly life. His knowledge and his understanding, as well as his wisdom, were noted by everyone who came in contact with him. We know that the people of Nazareth, his own village, were astonished at his wisdom when he spoke in the synagogue. And Luke chapter 2 tells us that even at the age of 12, when he was involved with a discussion with the teachers of the law in the temple, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his wisdom at that age.
0: Yeah, and, and let's read that bit about the, the people in Nazareth. It says in Matthew 13, 54, yeah. Coming to his own town, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous power from, they asked.
1: Yes, I think Jesus <clears> was well aware of the extent of his wisdom, too. In Luke chapter 11, he says, She, that is the Queen of the South, came from the ends of the earth, to listen to solomon's wisdom and now one greater than solomon is here and i think paul sets out the extent of the wisdom of the lord jesus christ in colossians chapter 2 he describes jesus as the mystery of god in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge
0: wow that's uh that's quite a startling statement about jesus christ there in colossians
1: Yes, it is, isn't it? Colossians, I think, is one of the books in the Bible that lifts the Lord Jesus really high, and there's a lot more there too. I mean, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together.
0: Yeah, but... Colossians are not alone in such statements, is it? You know, other parts of the New Testament teach us that the world we see around us was created by the Lord Jesus. Yep. For example, in that famous passage at the opening of John's Gospel, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then the opening um, verses of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 2 says about the Lord Jesus Christ, God appointed him heir over all things, and through him he made the universe.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's incredible the way that comes through. The Lord Jesus was God from the beginning, before the universe was formed. It was his word that brought the universe into being. And Jesus, the word of God, as, as John describes him, spoke the cosmos into existence god created it by the spoken word we read about that the opening chapter of genesis obviously so he is the creator he is the sustainer he's the firstborn which means the the most prominent or the preeminent one he's over all creation he's in the sense of being he's the heir of all creations and and hebrews explicitly says that
0: yeah, but anyway, we're talking about wisdom. So let's go back to the Old Testament, because doesn't Proverbs say that Lady Wisdom was involved in a creation?
1: Yeah, that's right. Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom closely echoes the, the language of the New Testament. There's quite a similarity between what it says about wisdom and what it says about the Lord Jesus in the context of creation. In Proverbs 8, we get this. The Lord brought me, that is wisdom, forth as his the first of his works before his deeds of old i that is wisdom was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began when there were no oceans i was given birth i was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep so wisdom was present there when when uh when the creation took place but it Wisdom isn't just a casual spectator sort of watching it unfold and and applauding what was going on, because Proverbs continues and says, Then I, that is wisdom again, was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. So wisdom was there right at the beginning and involved in the creation.
0: Yeah, that's not the only place in the Old Testament where we read of wisdom in creation. I think uh, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12 states "But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. So was the wisdom of God, the agent of creation?
1: Yeah, well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? We might need to ask, well, is in this context is wisdom a characteristic of god is he just wise all wise or are we reading here of the lord jesus christ in person some christian writers over the centuries including john calvin have argued that this is the case because of the close similarities that there are between wisdom and jesus
0: okay so is christ the personification of wisdom or are we saying that it was through wisdom that Christ created, or that is, that it was a wise thing for him to do?
1: Well, I'm not sure if he's just saying it was a wise thing for him to do. I think it's maybe more that wisdom was used in the way in which the creation took place. For example, obvious things, I suppose, like the distance from the earth, of the earth from the sun, the angle of the earth in relation to the sun and the moon. The constitution of the Earth's atmosphere, the whole balance in nature, all the things, if you like, that make life on Earth pleasant. In fact, all the things that make life on Earth possible.
0: Not to mention all the other galaxies and stars he created.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: But getting back to Proverbs, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what is the impact of this on the Lord Jesus Christ?
1: Well, it's interesting um, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 11, we find a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And Isaiah says this in chapter 11, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So there you've got the fear of the Lord again in the context of this coming one, the Lord Jesus, with his wisdom and his knowledge. But also, I think when Isaiah saw the the future kingdom that the Lord was going to establish on the earth, he describes it in this way in, in Isaiah 33. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And here's a line, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure.
0: And here he's talking about Zion, which is basically another name for Jerusalem or or Israel, isn't it? it? So the fear of the Lord and the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord comes from it will be the key to Israel's access to their glorious destiny in Christ when he returns. Also, there can be no higher aim for all people, for us, than to cultivate the wisdom that flows from the fear of the Lord. And that is basically the wisdom of Proverbs.
1: Yeah, um, we read about this wisdom also, of course, in the New Testament, in the epistles. James in the third chapter of his epistle contrasts what he calls the wisdom that comes from heaven. And he contrasts that with the wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual. And he tells his readers to live lives based on the heavenly wisdom rather than the earthly wisdom.
0: Okay, so summing up. Although we made little mention of God in our first podcast on Proverbs, this time we seem to have learned that the fear of the Lord is the gateway to the development of true wisdom and true knowledge.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think developing heavenly wisdom links us with the mind of God, which is a really fairly impressive thing to say, but it's it's true. It's the reality because I think it's interesting that wisdom is an attribute of all three members of the Trinity. Mm. God, the father, he's the possessor of wisdom. Jeremiah 10 says that God founded the earth by his wisdom and Paul also speaks of the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God in Romans chapter 11. As far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned, Paul says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. We saw that in Colossians when we were looking at that earlier. And also, as we saw a moment ago in Isaiah 11, it says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and understanding.
0: So, all three members of the Trinity are characterised by wisdom. And for us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we really need to revere him and be in awe of him. He is the creator and he's the fount of all wisdom. So if we're going to live as he would want us to live, we should respect and follow his ways. Yeah, that's
1: right. And it takes us back, I think, to the definition of wisdom that we thought about at the beginning of our, chat um, that wisdom was the human capacity to understand life from God's perspective.
0: Okay, so what does life from God's perspective look like? That's a good question and in our next podcast we will begin to explore how the development and application of God's wisdom can turn our lives into something worthwhile, guiding us towards the good and steering us away from the evil. Thank you. May God bless you all. Thank you.